0: Well, we are finally at the end of this series. We've been in the series for the past three weeks. And maybe you're thinking, well, Aaron, don't you know that Easter is over? Like we, had, we celebrated Easter like a few days ago, right? So in case you're wondering that, and I won't make you raise your hand because that would be a little awkward, here's what I know and here's what I believe, is that the significance of Easter, which is Jesus overcoming death... Is something worth celebrating more than one day a year. Like, we should celebrate the life and victory that Jesus gives us every day, not just one designated day of the year, right? So that's why we're going one week past Easter, and really, tonight is, is very fitting, because in, in, in our final encounter for this series, we're going to drop in on a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And the really interesting thing about this is that in tonight's text, it is the very last words of Jesus before before he is ascended into heaven. So we're going to drop in um, on Jesus having a conversation. But before we get into that, here is tonight's focus. The first thing on your notes. Tonight's focus is this, the mission. So tonight we're going to spend time talking about the mission. Now, why are we going to spend this last week of this series talking about the mission? Because a relationship with Jesus comes with a mission. So if you are here and you have put your faith in Jesus, you have given him your life, you have called him your Lord and Savior, that comes with a mission. Whether you like it, hate it, love it, whatever, it comes with a mission. So tonight we're going to look at that mission. And so in the chair in front of you or behind you, whichever you prefer to turn around or not turn around, there's a Bible. So go ahead and get your Bible out, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, and in case you don't know where Acts is, because there's a lot of books in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, but to make it even easier for you, it's on page 512. And if you're using a different Bible, it might not be on page 512, but if you're using this one, which I have the same copy as you do, we're going to be on page five 512. I just passed it. And so while you're turning there, again, tonight we're, we're, we're going to see three takeaways, because this mission in this moment was given to these disciples, but what I believe and what I, and what I think the Bible teaches is that the mission given then for them... Is meant to be given to us now so if you call yourself a disciple if you call yourself someone who follows Jesus this mission applies to you whether you like it or not and so in Acts chapter 1 we're gonna read verses 6 through 11 and we're gonna stop in a couple places because there's some takeaways that I think are so important for us when it comes to the mission for us today so starting in verse 6 it says, Then they gathered around around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom, kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. So pause that for a second because here we see this, this first takeaway for us. And here it is. Trust the process. And that's the next thing on your notes. Trust the process. I don't know about you guys, but there's, there, there's moments in my life when I know God's trying to do something in me or he's trying to do some kind of process within me or maybe he's doing something for somebody else through me and I try to rush that process. because I'm like, I don't really want to spend time here. I want to get to over there because over there is better than where I'm, than where I'm at now. <coughs> and I think a lot of people do that. They, they try to speed the process up. They'll go to God and say, Hey God, I know you're doing something within me. I know you're doing something here, but if you just give me a sign or, 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 or give me a little insight into what you're doing, it, it, it might be a little easier. But what we know is that God's sense of time is different than ours. So maybe when you find yourself questioning God, saying, hey, God, um, I know you're doing something, but maybe you can like speed it up a little bit. Like We can't change God's timing. Like we can't speed the process up because that's when God works in us. Because it's, it's it's easier to want what's ahead, right? Like if I come to you and say, in the next year, you're gonna have a million dollars, you're like the next year. Forget that. What about like what, what about tomorrow? Tomorrow sounds better than the next year, right? Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe you guys don't want a million dollars. I don't know. I'll keep it then. <laughs> More money for me. <laughs> and so we do the same thing with our spiritual lives. We'll like try to speed God up and we're like, God, I know you know everything and I, and I, I know you're in control, but if you can like do things a little differently, that'd be good. And we we'll like approach God as if like we're the ones in charge. And we're not. So we, we have to trust the process because next thing on your notes, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. I can I can tell you, times when I was your age where I questioned, when, when, when I really questioned God, and, and, I, and I was like, God, what what is going on? That I couldn't see the value then, but now being older, I can see what God was doing. Younger, I, I said, God, you must not be like this person they're claiming you to be, because in your word, you tell me that you love me. You tell me that you care about me. You tell me that you have me in your hands, protected from whatever I go through. But what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, that does not match up to that. But now looking back, I can see God working in those moments. And here's one of the biggest pitfalls of students. And this is not your own fault. This is just students in general. Students have a hard time looking past themselves. In other words, you guys, and it's not your own fault, it's just who you are, students generally, they can't see past tomorrow. All they can see is the next day, and that's it. Now adults are a little different. They can see maybe two days ahead, or three days ahead. But adults, and I'm not talking about me because I'm not, I'm not no adult, Mm-mm-mm. those adults back there, they can see ahead. I can, not because I'm a giant kid and I love it. And so we can get so caught up in, like, what's happening in front of us that we don't see what God's doing past that. Think about it. When you guys are walking, now no one that I know walks like this. No one does that, right? Most people, when they walk, heads up, they're looking, right? Because if you're not looking ahead, you might run into something, Right? The same thing is true for our spiritual lives, guys. If we're not looking ahead, we might get distracted sometimes. We might fall off the path a little bit because we're not paying attention to what's in front of us or what's ahead of us. And so the first takeaway, we have to trust the process. And here's takeaway two on, on, on the flip side of your notes. Takeaway two is this, and this is actually the mission be a witness. Be a witness. The mission, be a witness. And continuing in verse 8, he says, but you, talking about Jesus, but you will, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So pause there again, because in this verse, we see our mission, which is to be a witness, right? Jesus told them, go be my witness. Go to the world and be my witness. And growing up, even now, there can be this misconception of what a witness is. There can be this misunderstanding of what a witness is. Because if you're like me, and I think most of you guys are, we tend to complicate things. Right? We tend to overthink things sometimes. And being a witness is not that complicated, guys. It's not. It's actually pretty simple. And so for a few moments, I want to give you two things, two statements that debunks this complicated mess that we think being a witness is. And the first thing is this is that you won't be alone. When we think about being a witness, when we think about having a conversation with our friends about Jesus or our family. We get into this mindset, well, I'm going to be by myself, Aaron, I, I, I don't know how to talk. I can't handle being you know, one-on-one, one-on-one with somebody. Listen, if you think you have a problem talking, go read about Moses, okay? Moses like played that card several times, and God still did incredible things through his life. So if God can take Moses' stuttering tale, he can use you too. And so the first thing is, you're, you're not going to be alone. because again, in verse eight, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you're not going into it alone. And here's the second thing. Keep it simple. Listen, the gospel is not complicated. It is not. The gospel that we read about in the Bible, it is not complicated. But again, we, we sometimes make it complicated. Because we, 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 we try to add in our own things in there. and we make, so, so the gospel is not complicated. And so if you've never heard a statement that describes the gospel in a simple way, here it is. There's two parts to it. Jesus loves you. And the second part, he wants to have a relationship with you. That's the gospel right there. That's it. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So it's simple, right? Like anyone can remember that. I could pull a fifth grader down here. They could, they could tell me that. So we, we have to keep it simple. And, it, and it's, it's okay. It's okay to not start with a conversation. What do you mean, Aaron? Well, here, 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 here's, here's what I mean. When we think about being a witness, a lot of people think, well, I got to have a conversation with somebody. I got to tell them about Jesus. And, and, and trust me, that should, be a, that should be something at some point, like at some point there should be a conversation. But for a lot of people, the first time they see Jesus in you is watching how you live your life. That's when witnessing starts for a lot of people. Because they won't come into the church. They won't come to a church service. They won't join on a worship night. But I guarantee you they're going to watch you and how you live. And so witnessing starts with just living your life for Jesus. Because here's what happens. When you live differently, people notice that. And when you live your life consistently for Jesus, they notice that even more. Because they they see you, and then they start asking questions like, man, what's different about them? They're acting different. They're they're talking different. So maybe for you, just start living your life differently. If you're scared of conversation, look at how you live your life. Start there. Start, Start simple. I'll be honest with you. I don't always live my life like I should. I don't always honor my wife like I should. I don't always honor the people around me like I should. I try to. But I'm a sinner and still mess up. But live your life like it. Because you guys This is why I love student ministry, because you guys know what's up. Like with little kids, you can kinda sugarcoat it and kind of tease it up a little bit, but you guys are smart. Like you guys pick up on things. Right? Most of you guys at least. I won't <laughs> won't call nobody out, but mo- <laughs> most of you guys are. <laughs> You pick up on things. And so when you live your life differently, people are going to notice that. So maybe you start living your life differently. And then verse 9 says this. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their side. Talking about Jesus. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Verse eleven Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so, in this in these verses, here's the third takeaway. Stay focused. In order to live the best Christian life you can live, it takes focus. Because there's a lot of distractions out there, right? There's a lot of things that will try to take your attention and your desires and your affection. So it takes focus to stay on fire for Jesus. And I think there's a lot more people who would say, man, I really hope that happens. I really hope that I stay on fire for Jesus. And, And we spend a lot more time hoping than actually doing. And at some point, we just gotta stop with the excuses. Listen, I'm the king of excuses. When I don't read my Bible, I say things like this: "I'm just too busy. I have too much to do." And so, it's about to get worse with the little baby in our house. But at the end of the day, surprised there? But that face looks like you're surprised. Okay, good. I was like, "Oh, surprised." And so, all it is is excuses. And so when we say things like, I'm too busy, the reality is we're not too busy. Because if you love something, you're going to make time for it, right? If you love Xbox, you're going to make time for Xbox. If you love sports, you're going to make time for sports. And I can go on and on. And so we have to stay focused. And here's the thing. We aren't meant to keep Jesus to ourselves, guys. And that that, that point hits right there. Because so many times when God does something incredible, people be quiet, they're quiet about that. When God moves in my life, I want everyone to know about it. But how many times do we say things like this, man, I should tell someone about that, but maybe later. So we're not meant to keep Jesus to ourselves, because I have to believe that if if we were meant to keep them to ourselves, this would have been written differently. Because these two men were like, hey, uh, so why are you looking into the sky? Because it says that they were looking intently. They were staring up to the sky, and these guys were like, hey, um, so what are you doing? Like, don't you know Jesus, who just left, is going to come back the same way? And so we're not meant to keep them to ourselves. And I think... Think. And I say I think because I don't know everything, but I think there's more Christians who are, who are quiet about their faith than there are Christians who are loud about their faith. Listen, I don't care what you can do in your life. I don't care what you can lift. I don't care what you can accomplish. I just care about what Jesus does in your life. Because whatever good thing you can do, he can, he can do it ten times better than you. You may be the fastest on your team, but you ain't saving no souls by that. People may clap for you and cheer for you, but that fades away eventually, right? Because someone else will come up and be faster than you at some point because you get older. Besides me, I'm always fast, so. I'm the one exception. That's right. That's right, my man. My man. And so, when I was thinking about this, when I was thinking about how I wanted you guys to, to, to really see this. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a visual person. Like if, if someone is explaining things to me, I, I need to see it. So like when, when, when Becca calls me on the phone and says, hey, do this, this, and I'm like, huh? Because I got to see it, right? So I thought, how, how can I show them this? How, how can they see this? And Matthew 5 came up to my mind. But before I read that, check out what, what the definition of a witness is. One that gives evidence. So if we apply this to what Jesus said, when he, when, when he said that we are, we, are to be the, we are to be witnesses for him, we're supposed to be ones that bring evidence of who Jesus is. Because here's the reality. As awesome as it would be, I would love for Jesus to walk through his doors right now physically as real as as you and me are, I I would love for that to happen. But odds are, he probably won't do that. He's not going to show up in the flesh. Right? So we have to bring evidence, right? Because all all people have is what we say and, and, and is what we do. So we are ones that gives evidence of Jesus. And I don't know about you, But there are numerous times where Jesus works in my life. Y'all see Becca? And then y'all see me? Completely different. She is good looking. I'm ugly. So that is a daily testament to how good God is. Okay? So he works every single day in our lives. Doesn't matter what your age is, what your grade. He works in your life no matter what. So we are to bring evidence. So, if you read in Matthew chapter five, verses fourteen through sixteen, it says this: "You are the light of the world. A a, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." So again, you're called to be light. You're supposed to be different than people. Culture will tell you that you should be the same. You're not supposed to be the same as people, okay? You're supposed to be different in what you do. And there's enough people doing the same thing. We need more people doing something different for the name of Jesus. And so every time that we're a witness, every time that we bring the evidence of God, of what he's done in our life, or what we see him doing in, in other people's lives, we bring light into the situation. Right? And we can all agree right now, it's, it's, it's a pretty dark place. This world is pretty dark right now. There's so much division and hatred and all these other things. And it, 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 it is so far from what God wanted it to be. If you're reading Genesis, that was perfection. That was God's intention. But then we screwed it up. That's just the truth. We screwed it up. And we continue to screw it up. And even though we screw up, we can still bring light to the darkness. Because of Jesus. And so when I was thinking about how could I show them this, this image came to my mind. So I'm going to ask my volunteers to turn off the lights. It's not completely pitch black, but it's dark right now, right? And if we were in pitch black, you couldn't see the hand in front of your face. You might be thinking, man, you might be getting a little freaked out eventually, right? About 10 seconds in, you're like, all right, this, this, this is a cool illustration, Aaron, but I'm getting kind of tired of this darkness. But every time, every time that we show the light of Jesus, the evidence of Jesus in our lives, Things get a little brighter. And even, in the mo- and even in the most darkest of places, a small light can do so much. If you were in a cave and I was outside and I came in with a, with a little match, that would make an impact, wouldn't it? But, here, but, but, but here's what happens. This the, and I, I love this. Every time that we show evidence of never being alone, because again, we just read it, right? We're never alone. Every time that we live a life with the confidence of God by our side, light gets a little brighter. Every time that we show the evidence of strength in our weakness, it gets a little brighter. Every time that we have peace when when we shouldn't have peace at all, when people around us are saying, hey, you should be freaking out right now. You should be like freaking out and and just breaking down right now. We're like, no, we're good. We're good. We got Jesus. We're good. It gets a little brighter. Every time that we have, that we are given grace in our weakness, and every time that we show other people grace, it gets a little brighter. And then every time, every time that we show people, that we give people the evidence that Because of Jesus, no matter what we go through, no matter what we experience, we have a future and a hope. And a future is a promise that that no matter what you go through, there's something else at the end. Every time that Jesus does that through us and in us, more light comes into the picture.